Good morning. <clears throat> so good to be here and see all of you. Many of you I don't know, or they don't, I'm sure you don't know me because I usually come to the 8 o'clock service. However, uh, I think I wanted to share with you the journey that brought me to St. Peter's. Um, you probably don't know, but I'm the only male on the vestry right now. And not a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, I thought it would, uh, I, I hope this will give you the opportunity to get to know me a little bit better. Uh, I am a native born Texan. However, my roots to Carson City go back almost as far. I was born toward the end of World War II in Houston, Texas, while my dad, a Navy fighter pilot, was stationed in Fallon, Nevada. As a 21-day-old infant, I was brought to Carson City by my mother and grandmother to be with my dad before he was deployed. <clears throat> it just so happened at that young age, I took my first airplane flight and maybe that explains later my passion for airplanes and flying, although I think some of it must have come from my dad. But at any rate, um, we ended up in Carson City because there was no housing available in Fallon. Uh, and after, after my dad retired uh, from his job, he, was, he didn't stay in the Navy, but when he retired and he had not much to do, he, he wrote his memoirs about his wartime Navy experience. So I'd like to share with you what he wrote about the time in Carson City in 1945. And he said, Carson City, the capital of Nevada, had a population of 5,000 in those days. It was an old and rather pretty little town sitting at the base of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Our apartment consisted of a kitchen living room arrangement with one bedroom and a bath. The only heat was from the kitchen wood stove where the cooking was done. The bedroom was unheated. We had to put the baby in the living room where there was a little heat, so Carol and I slept there with him. Carol's mother got the private bedroom with no heat. And I think Keith got thick blood pretty early in life. <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, and he says, I'll never forget the bathroom in Carson City. The water was heated in the kitchen wood stove and carried to the bathroom in buckets. The only heat was from a little wood stove in the corner of the room. And the window had a beautiful view of the snow-capped mountains. He said, I took my baths at the Navy base. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't stay too long in Carson City before my dad left for the Pacific and we returned to Texas. And it would not be until 1979 that I returned to live in this area. I grew up in the panhandle of Texas in a town of about 20,000 north of Amarillo. It was during this time that I got my first dose of religion on a regular basis. My family joined the first Christian church. And the minister, who later became a good friend of ours, was a very charismatic man with a very deep voice that sounded to me just like God. I was uh, baptized in this church by immersion, even though I'd already been baptized by sprinkling before. I was about 13 years old at the time. After graduating from high school, I went to college in Texas 
mainly for one reason, and that was because I wanted to play basketball. So that's what I did. Uh, but of course, in college, in order to stay in college so I could play basketball, I had to, I had to uh, pick a major. And for lack of anything better, I chose pre-med. That turned out to be quite a feat because all of the required science labs, which were in the afternoon, and that kind of conflicted with our basketball practice, but somehow I was able to persevere and soon found myself in medical school at the University of Texas uh, Medical School in Galveston, Texas. And this is where I was first introduced to the Episcopal uh, Church and became a confirmed member. Uh, I do remember at that time, in order to be a confirmed member, I had to go to confirmation classes, of which I was not too happy about, uh, because the last thing I wanted to do while I was in medical school was go to more classes. But I, I did it. <laughs> so I, um, I uh, then, after I graduated from medical school, I went to uh, Sacramento, where I did a year of my internship. And after that, I went on active duty as a U.S. Army medical officer. And I spent two years in, in uh, Stuttgart, Germany, and I was then transferred to uh, the Presidio of San Francisco, where I did my orthopedic surgery residency at Letterman Army Medical Center. It was at St. Mary of the Virgin Episcopal Church in San Francisco that I resumed my church membership. And while living in San Francisco, I I enjoyed as often as I could uh, visiting the spectacular Grace Cathedral. What a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, almost as beautiful as this. <laughs> now I think of, I love this place. Uh, after assignments at the Shriners Children's Hospital in St. Louis and the Army Hospital at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, I left the Army and moved to South Lake Tahoe in 1979, which turned out to, uh, to be heaven on earth for an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> um, uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> I was a founding member of St. David's Episcopal Church in South Lake Tahoe. Um, and I mentioned this as well in passing. I was also, that was my one experience on the vestry. And that church closed. So hopefully <laughs> that won't be repeated here. I'm, I'm sure it won't be. This church is. <laughs> Subsequently, I was a member at St. John's uh, Galilee before moving to Genoa and discovering our new home here at St. Peter's. Um, <clears throat> After uh, 40 years, I retired from my busy orthopedic surgery practice in 2019, just before the pandemic. It's good timing. Uh, I then began a new career journey in, in addiction medicine. The pandemic provided me with the time and the means, mainly through Zoom, to become educated in the field, in the field of addiction uh, treatment. The disease of addiction is officially known as substance use disorder, and this includes everything from illegal drugs to legal drugs like alcohol and tobacco. I've been given the opportunity to use this knowledge to help those individuals who are suffering from the devastating disease of addiction by working 
in an opiate treatment program here in Carson City. And this is also, many of you would probably recognize this, is called a methadone clinic. Uh, we know that addiction is a brain disease, which is, if it's untreated, it is fatal. We also know that it is a treatable disease. Uh, and there are very few of us here who have not been affected either directly or indirectly by this disease. The opiate pandemic or the opiate epidemic has made it painfully clear that the disease does not discriminate but affects people at every level of society, which is, and with the widespread availability of fentanyl, overdose deaths continue to escalate to record levels. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that was developed to treat severe end of life cancer pain. It is a hundred times more potent than morphine. It can be ingested, it can be inhaled or absorbed through the skin. Two milligrams will kill. For comparison, this packet of sweetener is a thousand milligrams. So that's how little uh, can be, can kill. <clears throat> it is also found now in almost all uh, dr street drugs uh, because of its low cost. Uh, and you may have heard recently about the West Point cadets who overdosed uh, in Florida and after getting a hold of some cocaine that was laced with fentanyl. <clears throat> so that is a glimpse of the journey that brought me to this beautiful area, the Carson City community, and to St. Peter's. It was actually Lori's family, the Earls, who discovered St. Peter's. Since they were Presbyterians, I was surprised to learn that they'd found an Episcopal church they liked. <laughs> and they said the pastor played the bongo drums. I think that's really what brought him here. <laughs> so we decided to give it a try, and it didn't take very long before we got, we not only liked the bongo drums, but we liked the message and the fellowship. <clears throat> and as they say, the rest is history. So how is all this relevant? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, and for better or worse, this is what St. Peter's means to me. In my search for truth and meaning, the Episcopal Church and St. Peter's provide me with spiritual refuge when, that helps me get through the storms and turmoil of life and to better live life on life's terms. The church helps my awareness of my place in this infinite universe that is beyond human understanding. When things occur that I don't understand, and that's quite often, believe me, um, my Christianity helps me to have faith that the world is exactly the way God intends it. And all I can do is to be the best I can be in the service to God through Jesus Christ. It means working for the good of the community by exercising my humanity by helping others. This means, <clears throat> this means being present and humble so I can connect with my fellow human beings and be able to help when needed. Because I believe that it is through connection with others that the love and power of Christ is manifest. We are social animals that need each other. It is who we are. It is in our DNA. We are also built for survival, which by its very nature means that we are also self-serving. 
But Jesus has taught us that God wants us to be connected through him with our fellows. <clears throat> we each have a role to play, and if we just take the time to be still and be aware through prayer, he will guide us to be where we are supposed to be. For me, personally, Jesus brings me hope that if I follow his teachings, that I will be okay. Even in the darkest hour, life can be hard. Life is filled with challenges. But even in that darkest of hours, he gives us hope that we will be okay if we just follow him. Because he is holding the candle of love and hope, which will lead us out of the darkness and into grace. Thank mm -hmm. you.